second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select Mitchell Trubisky, quarterback, well, North Carolina. Hello. It's going it's to be a perfect fit. I'm very happy to be here in Chicago. Yeah, I really enjoy the coaching staff and my time with them, and I just can't wait to get to work. Bears Hour Live with host Lauren Cox and the draft doc Phil Atoshin. Hello and welcome to Bears Hour Live. I'm your host Lauren Cox alongside draft doctor Phil Atoshin. We're coming to you live on a another nice Sunday here in the offseason. We try and be your Chicago Bears fix every Sunday because it's not it's not a Sunday without Bears football and hopefully we can be that for you. Phil, how are you spending your Sunday today? Enjoying any nice weather over there on the East Coast? Laura, I'm surprised you're not as amplified and excited to talk Chicago Bears football right now. It's a gorgeous, beautiful summer day. The wind is in the air. He's starting to smell the tables turn, Lauren. The barbecue grills, almost feeling like a tailgate. And that football's right around the corner, counting down the Sundays to Chicago Bears preseason football. And Lauren, people aren't following Bears Hour Live on Twitter, on Facebook, or on YouTube. I think you're doing it wrong because we are your summer source and your all-time source. After every game, a half hour, we're going to go live. We're going to break down preseason. We're going to talk about the rookie performances. We're going to break down film. We're going to take your requests on who you want broken down. And in an analytical format, if you go to YouTube and check it out, you'll see we take several plays and look at them and bring it to the fans' perspective, kind of give you what other people are trying to copy and imitate us doing right now, Lauren. So I'm proud of what we do at Bears Hour Live with the multimedia platform here. Live show. This is unscripted right now. Got dogs barking. It's going off throwing the food. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we do. And then it turns into a podcast. We have some loyal fans. And I really appreciate guys like Sandy Tom, Alex, Shane Marshall, Jose Cotto, Aldo Gandia, uh, Dustin down in Florida, even players on the Bears texting and tuning in. That's what I like to see, Lauren. Are you fired up as I am today? Because it's gorgeous out. I've stepped out of the pool and I stepped into the Bears Hour Live studios. <laughs> I am fired up because of what has been the talk of Bears Twitter, at least in the last couple of days. It seems like Bears Twitter gets pretty fired up when Pro Football Focus puts out <laughs> their their graphics, whether it's about Jordan Howard and Ezekiel Elliott or any of or Cameron Meredith, any of them. And it was weird. Like some people are even accusing PFF of being too promotional of the Bears, but they put out an article last week. You know, they did a, like a secret superstar for every team, and they picked Adrian mm-hmm. Amos for the Bears, and and they defined hmm. secret superstar as someone whose reputation doesn't necessarily match their evaluation of him and and they were obviously complimentary of the bear safety and a lot of people have been critical of adrian amos after the last two years we've touched on it a little bit in the past but phil tell me about adrian amos's 2017 season in a nutshell 
Lauren, a little bit. I think we've been the fan base of Adrian Amos, me and you, on Bears Hour Live, Lauren. Let's give it what it is. I mean, educating the fan is a process. And when it's the Chicago fan base, as a kid growing up, Lauren, going into a story now, there there were Bear fans everywhere. As my wife can now attest... No matter where I go, off to the Cape, in Manhattan, down the Jersey Shore, in North Carolina, South Carolina, Philadelphia, Bear fans are everywhere. They see a Bears hat, the Bears or Go Bears continues to fly off. But as I grew older and I started to, f- to meet people like yourself, Lauren, through Twitter, which has been great and bad at the same time you start to realize that people kind of fall into line with what the national media is serving them. And that gets to the point of Adrian Amos. Because here's a guy on tape, you know, I'm a football head. I'm a coach's son, a coach myself, and I get into the tape in my free time. I don't go out drinking at the bar. Uh, I don't do other things. Football is my life. And... When I watch Adrian Amos, I see a guy that was covering for a defensive backfield that was piss poor, Lauren. Piss poor. It was uh, your boy Tracy Porter deciding when and where he was going to make an effort to tackle. There was a conglomeration of corners on the opposite side. Obviously, Ryan Pace has thrown a lot of money into the cornerback position and into the defensive backfield with draft picks as well as free agent signings. He signed three corners this offseason to help what has been a, um, what we call a handicap position from Major Wright, Chris Conti. We've had uh, pain back there. There's been so many safeties that have been thrown in the back, defensive backfield. You, you tried to sign an Antrell role to come in here to give you snaps. It hasn't worked. So then you get this kid who's a fifth-round pick out of Penn State who tested off the charts, has a great rookie season, then comes back and his defensive backs are injured and completely not there for him. So you're seeing a football player filling the alley, making plays, uh, making things happen that aren't going to be on the statistical stat sheet Come Monday, Lauren, if a guy's filling the alley and recognizing he's got outside contain and he forces the play inside and your Mike linebacker makes the tackle, yeah, he doesn't get any credit for it. So that's why when people talk about turnovers and this, that, and the other, they're really not seeing the big picture. When I put in the tape consistently, yes, Amos was injured. I think two games he was out, Lauren, but... When he was in there, I think he impacted the game and really kept you in games. Every defensive back has their moment where they make error or they look foolish. It's just a God-given right to the position. You have to have a short-term memory. Amos, though, I really believe is a sound tackler. He completely knows the system and really gets overlooked and kind of talent that he is. And I've talked about this 
And we can go back and tweet out the podcasts because I really stood up for the man because I'm not going to be the guy that just skips over and says something that isn't true. And Amos really, to me, defines somebody who was working alone. Look at the opposite position. We had turmoil there from Jones Corte was going in there. You had Dion Bush, who's a rookie, making mistakes. Things are happening all the time. What is the most important thing the safety position needs to be? Knowing their the philosophy of the defense, being in the right place at the right time. You know, they talk about turnovers, Lauren. We were talking beforehand. Mike Brown maybe goes down in the in the talk hall of fame as being one of the best safeties all the time for the Chicago Bears. The guy had one season where he had what, four interceptions, Lauren? Five. So five interceptions on one season. Amos is in his third season right now. You got a veteran coming in here who had eight turnovers. Eight. So three more than Mike Brown had for the Bears. And that's Quentin Demps coming in and pushing Amos to his more natural position at strong safety, Lauren. So I really think you're going to get a lot of excitement coming from this position coming this season. I think Amos is really going to come in focused, and he's going to be in that starting role for the Chicago Bears. I really think people are sleeping on that guy. You're absolutely right. He's in position quite a bit and knows where he's supposed to be the majority of the time. I mean, we're not talking about a perfect safety here, and I don't think that's what PFF was trying to say either. I mean, the 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 idea of a secret superstar, I guess, you know, to some people that comes off as well. They're saying Adrian Amos is one of the best safeties in the NFL, and I don't think that's really what they intended. I mean, they his overall grade, I think, eighty one point seven. That ranks 24th among safeties in the NFL for them. So they're not saying that, you know, Adrian Amos is this dominating safety. They're just saying on the Bears, he's the guy that kind of gets overlooked. And we think, you know, they think he played better than his reputation because, you know, a lot of people, you know, there's talk about him maybe not even making the the 53-man roster. You and I both are pretty certain he's going to be a starter this year and, you know, continue building on what he's done in years past. And it's, it, I just don't think it's worth getting caught up on the turnovers here. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's you know, obviously you want to see them. You want to see him get in position and make plays. But last year he had five pass breakups, and one of those was an interception that should have been caught, hit him in the hands against the New York Giants. I tweeted out a gif of oh. earlier. He, he, read, he reads Eli Manning perfectly, gets right in position, undercuts the route, and hits him in the hands, drops it, and obviously he was pissed. I, I think he did push-ups. I don't remember at the end of that play if he didn't. That might have been a Tracy Porter one. I get him mixed up. But, you know, would have turned there. The tide Would have turned the tide of that whole game right he, there. Yeah, he, it really would have. And it's the difference between catching the ball. You know, you know, it's he seems to understand where to go, what position he needs to be in, how to read a quarterback, how to play his coverage, how to predict what the quarterback is going to do before he does it and how to bait him into those positions. And I think... If he catches that pass, and there was one against Tampa Bay, his rookie year that I also put a gif out of, if he catches those interceptions, I think the perception of Adrian Amos is much different. And not that people would be hailing him as the next you know, great safety of Chicago, but it wouldn't be this, oh, he's not going to make the 53-man roster talk because he's clearly the second, you know, up there with, Am- with Quinton Demps as the second best safety on this roster right now. He's much more proven than anyone else. I mean, is the, is the idea that... Dion Bush and Harold Jones-Corte and Eddie Jackson are going to beat him out for a starting job. I mean, 
what have those guys shown you that Adrian Amos exactly, had? and then you add on Amos's experience in the system and his the playmaking ability that he has shown, even if it hasn't been turnovers, it's it's still playmaking. I mean, to me, Adrian Amos is sort of I, I agree with the premise from PFF that if you're looking for guys on this roster who play better than their reputation states, that's, that's Amos for me. I I agree with you. You know, it's funny. Not to take a shot, no. If you don't follow Lauren Cox, make sure you do at Lauren at L Cox. Excuse me, Cox, Cox Sports, Sports One. One. Sorry, Cox Sports <laughs> One on Twitter. I know he works for PFF, so he can't say this, but I can because I'm not employed by them. I know they get a lot of crap for some of the things that they do, and it's it's a great resource. When you're looking at point, it's it's not the end all be all for me. It never will be, because I really, you know, right? And we don't try and sell it as our grades are definitive rules of the truth in football. It's sort of it's our own. It's it's a football opinion that they put out as a company. And when they do put it out, and it correlates with what you're talking about when it comes to if you're actually doing the film study and breaking down. You know, a simple inside zone play is a reflection of so much teamwork, getting to the second level, making sure you're blocking the front correctly. Some people watching the game don't know that, and that's fine. Football is the greatest sport in the world, and it's the greatest sport on television because it's so easy to watch. It's beautiful to see it play out in the way Fox and NFL Network, ESPN, all of them produce the show. It's it's just the greatest sport to watch on television. So when you're watching it, you're obviously following the football, and that's fine. But when you go back and you look at how or why a play was successful or wasn't, then the story of effort and technique and how people are being coached, and you really can get into a lot of depth of why the Chicago Bears, who seem to be on PFF's hot list all the way across on the hot show, Lauren, there is Chicago Bears, uh, the offensive line, the Jordan Howard, the Cam Meredith, the Cravon LeBlanc, you know, uh, what is it? The Bears blog believes Cravon LeBlanc won't even make the, I don't know if it's him or somebody on He's a nobody. Was, he won't make the roster. Danahy. Andrew Danahy. There you go. Shout out to him. <laughs> when you look at PFF and you actually look at the tape, here's a guy that I honestly believe is not only going to be your starting nickel, but he's going to push to start outside and give you snaps across the board. I mean, I agree. his story, to me, if you're going to take Adrian Amos, I'm going to take Cravon LeBlanc because I feel as though watching the guy that has an innate ability to recognize where the football is going to be is a trait that's uncoachable. Just an innate instinct to time out. Pop in that Green Bay game. Pop in that game and you will see Cravon LeBlanc put his hand and knock away at least three possible touchdowns that Green Bay should have had. Him being in the right place and timing his arms and hands. I mean, 
Yeah, I know you put up the Detroit game, or PFF did. That's that's another, the best one. Another great game where you can honestly see. But I really felt like he got di- dirty in the Green Bay game, in a game that really the Chicago Bears had their ups and downs and moments. I thought Cravon LeBlanc, and I believe he's your secret superstar coming into camp. I just think that that football player at the nickelback, you know, Callahan cannot stay healthy, Lord. You know, the same gripe you have with Kevin White or I have with Kevin White, I have with Callahan. There's no question in the guy's makeup and toughness and intangible traits, but you can't make the club in the tub. You can't start by being injured and have no consistency on your defense. Part of the reason you're winning all these awards Phil Atosian coming out talking about uh, Jarrell Freeman as the best middle linebacker in the NFL. Getting laughed at, right? PFF comes out, backs it up. It's like they're listening to the show or they have someone who works for the show on our show. Yeah, isn't that, isn't that <laughs> funny how that works? <laughs> so I don't say these things because I just, if I'm a cheer, I cheer for the Bears or fanboy, I look at it and I, I recognize there's a you're rebuilding a front seven. You know, you add Jay Howard, Hicks coming in on his second year in this system, who we've talked about needs a contract extension. You got John Jenkins coming in here from Meriden, a Meriden boy, gonna give you some reps. Eddie Goldman, if he could stay healthy, we've talked about him maybe being the best defensive lineman on the roster. That front seven with those linebacking core, Lamar Houston coming back, now is going to help a young secondary with a guy who's a ball hawk and dumps on the back end with Amos moving over to strong safety. This defense, in the first part of the season, if they are ready, and they should be, Lauren, because most of these guys are third-year guys or veterans that have come in. And, and, you know, Amukamara is an upgrade to Porter. Cooper is an upgrade to Fuller. And whoever the heck else they had at the revolving door at corner Bosby. on the other side. Bosby, um, Glenn, Jacoby yeah, Glenn, Glenn. Or just, Shane yeah. Marsaw special, Jacoby Glenn. <laughs> Those corners, I mean, add Jeremy Langford, play him at corner. Get him out there. Didn't he used you to got, in college? Yeah, he played corner at Michigan. He's a Spartan, a Sparty. There you Jim go. Miller Spartans. He played corner and receiver and tailback. Get bodies out there is what Ryan Pace seems to do every preseason. And and this year something different is going to happen, and they're not going to do that cut down to 73, cut down to 53, and formulate it. They're just going to straight cut from 90 to 53. So it's going to be exciting. I know. There's, the waiver wire and the trades, I think, are going to be higher this spring. Yeah. This, uh, excuse me, this preseason. Because people are going to recognize, listen, I need to upgrade. I don't want that guy to hit the waiver wire when everybody's hitting the waiver wire. Because the low man on the totem pole is going to get the first dibs. And you could see a lot of roster turnover just by that big, giant cut. So this secondary, which has a lot of bodies, you know, the best players play, hopefully, which hasn't been the case for some reason, 
But hopefully in the third year, that's going to be the case. I think the improvements there, somebody like Cravon LeBlanc is going to be a surprise as well as your guy, Adrian Amos, Lauren. Yeah, I, I think just generally speaking, the improvement in the front seven, assuming guys get healthy and stay healthy, especially a, a Danny Trevathan there and some of the defensive linemen, that's what's going to help generate the turnovers. You know, like we talked about you and I briefly on Twitter earlier today, turnovers are not a one-person job. I mean, you look at a guy like Quinton Demps having eight interceptions last year, and I haven't watched all eight interceptions on tape, but I can tell you without having seen them all that it's not as though Quinton Demps is one-on-one with a player and you know just bodies him out of the way and goes up for an interception eight times. You know, Most of the time, especially at the safety position, it's it's a guy understanding what the quarterback's going to do, getting there before the quarterback sees him, and trying to anticipate where the ball's going to go. And then obviously the hard, or the, the easiest part, quote-unquote, is catching the ball and making the play. And obviously that's the part that Adrian Amos has struggled with. But a guy like Quentin Demps gets eight interceptions because, A, his cornerbacks on the outside are covering the number one and number two receivers effectively. B, his front seven is getting pressure on the opposing quarterbacks to be able to force that quarterback to not – to not only hurry his throw, but throw awkwardly from his feet, maybe make him move out of the pocket, try and do too many things at the same time so he's not necessarily reading the field 100% as precisely as he could from a clean pocket. And then, of course, you know your other safety. I mean, really, all 10 other guys have to be doing their job right for one person to be able to get that turnover because ultimately the quarterback is going to take the opportunity that he thinks is going to be his best opportunity with the ball and so if, if you have one cornerback like the Bears, well, two cornerbacks like the Bears did last year that couldn't consistently cover, then Adrian Amos isn't going to see as many passes his way, and the passes that he does see his way are going to be more effective and more accurate because obviously the quarterback is going to be looking for the best option. So when he does, when he does see targets, it's going to be the higher quality targets, the targets when he is most out of position, where even when there's sometimes when Adrian Amos is slightly out of position, if Tracy Porter is even more out of position, that target's going to Porter if the quarterback reads it correctly. So if the defense isn't locking down the other 10 spots and it doesn't have everyone doing their job to force that quarterback to make less accurate or less smart throws, there's just going to be fewer opportunities for all of the players in the secondary to get their hands on a potential interception. And that's why you saw the Bears have so few in 2016 because their front seven wasn't being able to quite consistently pressure the quarterback and stop the running game that's another part of getting pressure on the quarterback I mean everything in defense is linked and it's a team effort and it all goes back to every other player around Adrian Amos I mean obviously some players in the secondary are able to make individual plays especially in you know more one-on-one man coverage schemes a guy like Darrell Revis was great at that kind of thing of just making an individual play for a turnover those things do happen but in the scheme of the Bears defense, it has to be a team effort in order to get the quarterback to put the ball in a position where Adrian Amos can then see it, attack it, and get his hands on it, which happened a few times last year. He just didn't hold on to it. Yeah, and you said it. You sum it up best. I mean, we talk about quarterback throughout the whole offseason, the year of the quarterback. The Bears go out and draft a quarterback. Who is Mike Glennon, Phil? Uh, we still don't know. I'm glad you got that in there. <laughs> Who is Mike Glennon? We're going to find out who Mike Lennon is. Hopefully, uh, I don't want to get into this yet, but I know the Mitchell Trubisky signing saga will end up getting resolved because just, you know, you're slotted a certain way. 
whatever language garbage you guys are dealing with, just get it done so you're in camp and you're focused on the playbook and pushing Mike Lennon to start. But it's just a testament to where we're going here this offseason. You know, the hot seat is Coach Fox. This defense in year two, like you said, has a chance, a real chance to get after the quarterback with a young Leonard Floyd coming in on his second year, Willie Young being healthy, a Lamar Houston return, you, uh, Pernell McPhee coming in healthy and lighter because we've been critical of his weight issues. So hopefully he comes in to camp in the best shape of his career. And then you're working with fire because just like we talked about the year of the quarterback, like my original point, we also talked about 1B being the importance on a football field is the pass rush, which falls down and trickles down to the secondary. If you can get a pass rush like Quinn Demps had with Clowney and and uh, Kansas City Phil Merciless. No, Demps. He said Demps was in Houston. Oh, excuse me. That's all right. I forgive you, PFF. <laughs> <laughs> but Demps is in Houston with Merciless. And even if he was in Kansas City, <laughs> he would have Justin Houston and Tomba Ali on the outside getting to the quarterback, rushing the passer. And mind you, a Jay Howard, who on this show we talked about, and we did a film room breakdown of Jay Howard on YouTube and how important these players are going to be to that front seven, getting after the quarterback, helping this young secondary, guys like Eddie Jackson being thrown into the fray. You know, that safety position isn't going to be passed and handed to uh, Adrian Amos. He's going to have to work to play and get on the football field. I agree with that, but I believe in the football player and I believe a guy like Eddie Jackson can play both positions, Lauren. And based on the talent up front, I think the Chicago Bear fans are going to be happily surprised at the improvement that the secondary is going to have come this fall. That is all assuming that they stay healthy. And that was obviously it's... the big issue last year, too. I mean, I was looking back uh, just yesterday to, to last offseason. And do you remember, you know, after the you know, the great free agent signings, you know, they got their linebackers and they got, uh, they re-signed Tracy Porter and they got a right tackle and they got, they got all this stuff. They got all these great signings and they had a nice draft with, you know, Leonard Floyd, Cody Whitehair and all of those guys, Jordan Howard, and then all the offseason grades, A plus, A for the Bears. This is going to be the big year for the Bears. And then three and 13, everything went off the rails. And, and I was thinking about that again. Now, when you look at this offseason, there's been some criticism, you know, the Mitch Trubisky pick got a lot of negative grades and like I've seen Bears offseason grades in the D's and the C's and it does just go to show you that whatever you see now in July and back in May even doesn't necessarily tend to, to always translate. I mean there's there's different factors. I mean some years the Bears have a good offseason and it shows and and it seemed like last year I mean relatively speaking they did have a, a solid offseason. A lot of the moves that they did make panned out very well. There weren't too many of those moves that didn't work out well but just because everything looks solid on paper doesn't mean it's going to turn out that way. And I, I just hesitate to get too confident in the improvement in this defense just because you got, you know, Amukamara and Cooper have injury issues. Danny Trevathan 
is coming off of an injury and, and might not be ready for training. Well, isn't going to be ready for training camp, might not be ready for the regular season just because of that ACL injury. And I do want to put this out there now. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this is Danny Trevathan's last year in Chicago. I think they're going to end up moving on wow. from this offseason because of the, the way they structured his contract. The first two years are guaranteed, and after that, they're free to cut ship. And especially if he's slow to come back from the second knee injury, maybe he takes the field and is a, you know is another step slower because he's had multiple ACL tears and just doesn't quite look like the same guy. I, I think they might be interested in moving on from him, especially because... Vic Fangio is probably going to be gone too. It seems like he's been on his way out for the last year and a half here. I feel like maybe <laughs> maybe he goes, new guy comes in, doesn't want a slower Trevathan. Maybe he goes, maybe Kwiatkowski plays so well in weeks one through six or whatever they're waiting for Trevathan that, okay, you know, let's just go with Kwiatkowski and Jarrell Freeman, who was one of the best linebackers in football last year. So I, I, want, to, I want to put that prediction out there now that Danny Trevathan could be on his last year, and I think a guy like Pernell McPhee could be too. I mean, there's, I think, if, if especially if this team what struggles are the, this what year. Are those, what do those two players have in common, Lord? The knee injuries. There you go. And, and that's why we talk on this show about the injuries. The yep. injury is the key here. How does Kyle Long come back? How does Hironis Grassu, Grassu come back? Those injuries, if Grasso gets hurt, is he a lock? No, no, I, eh, no, I don't think so. There you go. Yeah, if I mean, McPhee, if he gets hurt, is he a lock? Depend, it depends on the seriousness of that one. If they, exactly, I'm talking yeah. serious. He tears his ACL, God forbid. I think with most of those guys, if they can stash him on IR, they will. Just And that's just it. They'll the be on IR. But yeah. And when I say come back, I'm saying next year oh. they pro- they won't be here. Yeah, I could definitely see that. That's that's the NFL, unfortunately. That's why it's not for long. NFL, not for long. Because injuries tend to define a person's playing career. And not to go off on a little bit of a sidebar tangent, but when you, look, <laughs> when, you look, <laughs> when you look at Walter Payton, and how that football player, I mean, the definition of the best football player in the history of the game, in my humble opinion, guy missed one football game at the position that takes a pounding, and he was the best player on the team every single year he played. Teams <laughs> prepared to stop Walter Payton, and just a shout-out to that football player for what he gave to the Chicago Bears and how long he played and took a pounding. It's just an amazing statistic when you look back on it. He was the NFL's leading rusher till Emmett Smith limped his way past him. But <laughs> that's neither here or there, but it just showcases even in today's modern day NFL where the rules and you know practices are different, tackling is so much poorer than it was back then because, you know, you look at the horse collar rule, Lauren, alone. You think about a guy like Peyton carrying five guys on his back going down the football field. You know, it's hard for these players to stay healthy. A Kyle Long blocking on a fullback dive play gets his ankle rolled up on and broken, and now he's got to come back from that and and hopefully he does so injury 
is going to be it was the story of 3 and 13 last year it's going to be the story of every football team's success in 2017 injury and the injury reports are going to be the predetermining factor in victories yeah and that's that's what kind of concerned me about this offseason this is you know like last year the bears signed a lot of guys with you know, experience and like playoff experience, and it was going to be this big push to the postseason. But now, a lot of guys with injury histories: Marcus Wheaton, Kendall Wright, uh, Victor Cruz, Prince Mukamara, Marcus Cooper. I, I I don't know. I don't think Jay Howard has much. I know he was banged up last year, but it wasn't as though it was. He is uh, coming off an injury. He too. is coming off an injury, but it wasn't like a did, recurring issue like some of the other guys. Right, right. But he that, is. He passed the Bears physical. Yeah, he did he? <laughs> yeah. Because he's not practicing yet. I remember that being thing at OTAs. He hasn't fully recovered from that injury yet. You got Marcus Wheaton. Did you mention him? Yeah, yeah. Wheaton, Wright, Cruz. Braverman's coming off an injury. Sitting, sitting and long, coming sitting, off injuries. Sitting and long. Uh, Dion Bush. Goldman, obviously. Eddie Goldman. Danny T. All Danny of the outside T. linebackers. I mean, it's... And there's really a young. lot of injuries on this team, and it's July. <laughs> uh, you know, like it, that's just hard for me to get. Super, I'm, I'm just after last year. I've been, I was burned. And even the last couple of years, I think injuries have just been more of an issue. That I, I, until they prove otherwise that they can avoid this kind of issue, I'm not banking on a total health from all of the key players. But I want to use that to transition to those key players, Phil, because one of the things I want to talk about today is the most important players on the Bears in 2017. And there's there's different definitions of most important here because, you know, what is, what is most important for the Bears? Is most important for the Bears winning 10 games and making, the, making a surprise playoff push? Or is winning 10 games, or, or is most important maybe figuring out a little bit more of what's going on in your future? Maybe that includes the coaching staff. Maybe that includes the roster. But, Phil, if you look across this roster, who is the most important player on the Chicago Bears in 2017? I think it goes to Jordan Howard because as you assess the tape, he is the guy, the engine that makes the Chicago Bears go. And he's going to keep you in football games. If used correctly and appropriately... He coincides. He is the whipped cream on top of the ice cream of the offensive line and the interior. This guy has a natural ability to run the football and understands defensive fronts and philosophies that goes unnoticed, really, for a rookie to kind of understand prior pre-snap where he's going to hit it and instinctively be able to use and decipher through the crowd and the blocks and get to the second level, but be physical, Lauren. Physical in the NFL. I'm talking a guy that, what was he, second in the NFL with tackles broken, or first in the NFL with yards after contact and missed tackles. This football player, as I put up for Bears Hour Live, a little teaser this past week, because we've talked a lot about players on the Bears on this show, but really... I think in the multimedia format, you can't overlook and you can't disrespect what's showcased on tape. Jordan Howard is, is tremendous. 
I think he fits exactly the philosophy of what the offensive linemen want to do on Sundays. And I think it was a real check in the box of negativity to Dowell Loggins for not recognizing it sooner and not using it more in the season because uh, running backs have a short lifespan. That's why I'm praising Walter Payton previously. And Jordan Howard really is needing the football because I believe, I will say this, this football player gets better as the game progresses. The sign of a great offensive coordinator is someone who understands that you need to feed the bear. Feed the bear and allow him to define how a game is going to be won and lost. I don't care if you're playing the New England Patriots and they got Tom Brady. When a defense is getting beaten up and abused by an offensive line and a running back is dominating them and destroying that first line of defense and the linebackers coming up and he's running through them, they start to crumble. And you could beat anybody if you know how to run the football. And that's why, for Bear fans out there, there is hope for the Bears' future because number 24 is really stupendous as a football player. He is the Bears' best football player in my mind, and he should be elitely showcased on Sundays by the offensive coordinator, Lauren. Are you concerned at all with Howard? I mean, the the name Todd Gurley gets floated out there a little bit, you know, <laughs> after big rookie season, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not on. I understand at all, but I, I, what what concerns me, and part of the one of the big issues for Todd Gurley, the reason why he had such a, a bad year in his second year, was just the play of his offensive line. And there I look at the go. Bears' offensive line, still a great offensive line. I mean, overall, you got issues at uh, the offensive tackle positions, not the most consistent. But I'm concerned about the depth because. I come back to that injury thing. I mean, last year, obviously, Sitton and Long both got hurt, and, and they were able to sort of fill in with guards. They had Ted Larson in there, and they had uh, – I'm, I'm spacing on the rest of their guard depth last year. But I look at this offensive tackle position, and they were really fortunate last year that Charles Push. Reynolds played 16 games and Bobby Massey played 15. But if something happens to Leno or Massey – I mean, you're putting Tom Compton or Bradley Soule in there, you know, or if something happens to Cody Whitehair, and then, you know, if Grasso isn't 100% or I, I just I just fear that if, if you know, if Kyle Long's banged up again because he still hasn't had surgery on his injured shoulder, he's not planning on having injury or sur- surgery on his shoulder, still coming back from the foot injury, Josh Sitton's still coming back from the foot injury. If these guys aren't 100% on that offensive line, how much can Jordan Howard make up for that? I think he makes up a lot for it, Lauren. I I really look at the tape. Uh, Ted Larson was in there. It wasn't the greatest. He did some good things. He wasn't great. But you saw Jordan Howard use his vision and instincts. Uh, like I said before, guards, to me, aren't as important as offensive tackles. So you make a great point in there. But I think Jordan Howard, like I said, is the whipped cream on top because he's so instinctive and has such an ability pre-snap to diagnose a front and understand how he's going to stretch and cut back, tack downhill on the middle zone play, 
just attack it and really lowers his pads and has great vision. When you have those innate instincts to run the football and your physical, you can run a 4-7. I don't care. You can honestly do it and be able to hit it and get to the next level. We've seen it happen time and time again. I just think this is an elite, instinctive football player from the running back position, which makes it that much better for him. And then you add a Tarek Cohen to the mix. You know, this is where the Bears are planning on the future. And Ryan Pace is recognizing that you got to have some of the same and some of the different. To sum it up, you need a little fire and lightning, thunder and lightning, however you want to describe it. Terry Cohen is going to give you that opportunity to line up at the third down back and not just be a third down guy, give you series where his jitterbug qualities will go into play and give defenses something else to worry about besides Jordan Howard. When you saw last year uh, Langford come in and Howard go out, the offense didn't run as well. It didn't flow as well. That's a showcase to you, Lauren, that how good Jordan Howard is as a runner and instinctive runner on top of that. That instinctive ability to recognize the hole and attack it downhill using the perfect timing in his get-up. He can explode out of his stance and, and cut all the way back to the backside and make a play that was, should have been stopped for like two yards. All of a sudden, it's down the field for 12 yards. I put up a first or a th- or third and five, and Jordan had the play shut down. Daniel Brown does a great job kicking out on a little trap play backside, and the play shut down. Linebacker does a great job, and Jordan Howard just gets skinny for a big 238-pound back. He gets skinny, carries the load six yards, and that moves the chains. That kind of stuff goes unnoticed on the stat board, but really ultimately gets you closer to scoring points. That's why I'm not worried whatsoever about this football player because I don't think he's in it for yards. He's in it to win it. That's the way he runs. Uh, Gurley kind of gets caught up in the limelight for me. I love the football player. I think he's tremendous. But I think Jordan Howard just fits what the Bears want to do offensively. And I also want to make the point, another Jordan on the, the team, Jordan Morgan from Kutztown, this young rookie, uh, what was he, fifth-round pick, much like Howard, he adds a lot of quality depth to the offensive line, whether he's going to be playing as a backup offensive guard. Just the athleticism and power I think the Chicago Bears surprised quite a few people, including myself, by taking a guard there, which ended up being, I believe, the last pick for them in the draft. And there's a reason to their – there's a method to their madness. They want to get more athletic and talented and younger on the offensive line. What better way to add another guy that's versatile enough to play tackle but athletic and powerful enough – to back up those guards in there with your concern about a Kyle Long or sitting being hurt, this guy can come right in and showcase the starter's ability. Uh, We had guest Emery Hunt on here from footballgameplan.com. Shout out to him. Check him out. 
really great resources, small schools as well as everybody. You know, he does a great job analyzing football players. He had him ranked as the number one guard in the whole draft, Lauren. So in the fifth round, you're getting a high quality, yes, small school player. Uh, I remember a guy from Sonoma State who now, Larry Allen, is in the Hall of Fame. That kind of monster interior offensive lineman who could just bully people out of the hole. That's what the Bears are getting with this young man. I'm, I'm excited about what he's going to bring to the football field. You're getting younger there, and you're getting more competition. That's a plus for the Bears. And I think, for the record, I'm pretty sure Emery had Jordan Morgan number two just barely behind Dan Feeney from Indiana. Oh, there you go. Indiana or Iowa? Indiana. 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 Yeah. He's the Hoosier. Yeah, that's right. But obviously there's – Again, with there's there's reasons to be encouraged by these players on the offensive line. Even an Eric Cush, I know he's your boy from last yes. year. He was he, he's young. Should have been a too. starter. He should have been a starter. He should have been in there over Ted Larson. That's for sure. Absolutely. But I mean, really, he should be in there, and Kyle Long should be an offensive tackle. But that's a whole another discussion. <laughs> but you know, there there is on the interior. But it's it's the offensive tackle positions that I'm just a little bit more concerned about. I mean, I'm concerned about the starters, let alone if the starters go down. Mm-hmm. But at least with Leno. You know there's a baseline there. I mean, he's not a great run blocker, and he's not aggressive enough, but you kind of know what? what you're getting. But you got since you're talking Soul and Tom since you're, ta- since you're talking Leno, did you happen to see some of his comments this week? I, I saw just one of the – I saw one little quote about not making a prediction, but I didn't see anything else. Well, he was getting out there talking big boy talk. Really? It's, yeah, he's – He's really amped up for the season. Something I'm not used to. Are you used to Charles Leno talking a little smack? Really confident in his boys. I mean, that's a great thing. Wouldn't it be cool to see Charles Leno confident on the football field, too? Wouldn't that be something? Ah, Play to the whistle, (laughs) Charles. That's all I could say to you. Just play to the whistle. You know, I don't want to take anything away from Charles Leno. Seventh round pick after saw another Phil Emery kind of gets overlooked what Emery had done. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy who started. I mean, this guy started how many years now? Four, three, three, four years? Yeah, three in a row. Three years, your starter. He's had some quality, quality games. And here's his fourth year. This is a contract year, mind you, too. So here he is coming into the season, talking a little smack, getting ready for football, Getting those offensive line. You want your offensive lineman cohesiveness, you know, co- the cohesion and friendship. They, You want a band of bullies. You know, Tom Compton, since you brought him up, I really like the signing because he's like a bouncer at a nightclub that you want on your side if you're out there and somebody's mouthing off. Tom Compton is a physical tough guy you know he's not the most polished but he's going to be able to go in there and give you reps at right tackle if an injury occurred uh i think tom compton's excited about the opportunity he has here and i believe he's somebody that i'm looking forward to seeing how he does in the preseason when he gets a lot of time how does he perform it's going to be interesting that somebody that lauren and phil have to keep their eye on for for our loyal followers, Tom Compton, because we all agree, Bobby Massey seems to play a neutral to start the season. Then he puts it into second gear. (laughs) 
Then all of a sudden he's playing in third gear when the season's winding down. If Bobby Massey can get zero to 60 and start driving his Benz or his Lexus instead <laughs> of driving this Volkswagen van to start the season, then I think Lauren and Phil will be happy and so will the Bears fans. Yeah, and one thing that gets overlooked with Charles Leno is that he is three months older than Cody Whitehair. They're both 25 years old. They're both still extremely young offensive linemen. And, and, and back on Bobby Massey, I know one Brian Perez, I don't think he's put it out there publicly, but he's 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 in the camp about uh, maybe Bobby Massey isn't your week one starting right tackle. And a, a guy like Tom Compton Uh-oh. is going to be in that competition in the preseason. Tommy C. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I've got to watch him. I wouldn't rule it out. But Tom Compton's just a guy that hasn't played a lot of regular season snaps. And I haven't gone back and watched any preseason tape of Com- Tom Compton. I, I'm not quite at that level right now where I'm so football-starved that I'm going to go watch preseason tape of a backup offensive tackle. But I think I'm getting South close. Dakota. South Dakota, Lauren. Tommy C. Oh, boy. Came out of South Dakota. You know I love those small schools up there. Oh, yeah. The Wyomings, Montana, South Dakota. Dakota. North Dakota State. You but, get some football players out of these smaller schools. It's it's exciting to see. How about Tyler Boggs is coming back? Taylor. Born. Taylor, that's right. Humboldt. Humboldt. <laughs> Humboldt State. Is that is really? Yeah, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Can you believe that Humboldt. guy's thirty already? That's guys hard. lived as a backup. Yeah. I don't know if he's got a spot behind Rona's crash pool. As, as we said with – remember that Aldo Gandhi – Shane was like – Aldo Gandhi is special. Herogenous <laughs> I, I, I will never forget pool. that nickname. He will always be Herogenous <laughs> Grash Pool to me. But I want to I push back on this Jordan Howard as the most important Bears player. Yeah, this year who's your most important? I think it's Mitch Trubisky. And, I, and just because – I think Mitch Trubisky is the most important player of 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, and the foreseeable future beyond there. I don't think, I mean, I'm not going into this season anticipating a Bears team to finish over 500. I just, based on the roster and the coaching staff, there's a lot of talent, but I just don't feel like it would take a lot of things to come together. And this isn't this isn't a, a season prediction show by any means, but I think they've got a lot of moving parts here all trying to come together with a coaching staff that hasn't shown the ability to do so. So I think we're going to see Mitch Trubisky pretty, I don't want to say early in the year, but I think he's going to play more than just a couple games. I think he's going to play maybe even like five or six. But I, mm-hmm. I don't, so I don't think it's about the wins and losses, And but I think it's, even if he doesn't play, it's about his development. He needs to use this year and just absolutely make the most out of it because all everything points to him starting in 2018. He will be your week one 2018 starter. And I think for the long-term success of the Chicago Bears, he needs to have an extremely productive year, whether that's in the film room, on the field, on the sideline. Everything needs to be optimized for Mitchell Trubisky. He needs to you know, get NFL habits that are proper for the quarterback. He needs to continue to improve his footwork, continue to improve his ability to read coverages and defenses and just become the best young quarterback that he possibly can be. And I think that is more important than anything Jordan Howard can do this year for this team, just because I think Jordan Howard could put up 1,500 yards this year and lead, lead the league in rushing, and you're still a, a seven- or six-win team. And to me, that's not cra- That's not all that important. I mean, it's important, but it's not as important to me 
as getting your franchise quarterback that you traded up for, that you took number two overall in the draft, that you ba- that Ryan Pace is staking his career on. To me, the most important thing is his development this year on and off the field. It's definitely a case can be made, Lauren. There's no doubt. This was the year of the quarterback. The Who is Mike Glennon t-shirts are getting printed, getting ready to send them across the pond <laughs> to Sandy Tom. <laughs> we got a, nine Sundays till Bears football begins. Shout out to Monsters of the Tri-State at SCAR out in Brooklyn. Um, Brooklyn, New York, that is, in the house. Um, yeah, Mitchell Trubisky is the most important piece on the whole roster, without a doubt. You know, you look at that position, it's the most important position in all of sports, all of pro sports. It's the most difficult position to play in all of sports. So the Bears and Ryan Pace, as you put it so eloquently, he's staking his career on this young man, who, by the way, as we get closer to the regular season, more and more people that I talk to are saying that the grades that their prospective teams had on Mitchell Trubisky are a hell of a lot higher than the national media ever wanted to adhere to because that only 13 game clause came into play kind of harshly. And let's face it, there is an East Coast bias when it comes to the Chicago Bears and how they're viewed and I think in the year of the quarterback with the Bears taking one, it was it's kind of viewed as a chuckle by the national media. But by football guys, they really believe that the Chicago Bears and Ryan Pace really found themselves a quality, future elite-type quarterback in the likes of a Drew Brees and a, um, Andrew Luck. He just didn't have enough time to showcase that in college. But, you know, we've broken it down, the traits— I've talked about my love for Deshaun Watson and where I thought Mitchell Trubisky is and is going to be. I'm excited about this football player, and I agree with you, Lauren. Without a doubt, he's the most important player on the whole roster, and his development is going to be essential to the Chicago Bears rising to being a continual playoff-performing football team. You know, you look up north at the Green Bay Packers in your backyard— the one thing that covers a lot of their warts is Aaron Rodgers and how, you know, much like Lotto, you can't win if you don't play. Well, you can't win if you don't have a quarterback in the NFL. And the Chicago Bears went out and got themselves three quarterbacks that are new on this roster. They turned the page on my boy Jay Cutler, your boy, and now it's the Mitchell Trubisky, Mike Glennon era, the Giraffe versus the Pollock. So we're going to find out who is going to rise to the occasion. I agree with you. I think we're going to see Trubisky sooner rather than later. And I think it's going to be for the reasons of performance, Lauren. I feel like this is an elite, athletic type of quarterback that is going to shine when he's given the opportunity. All he needs to do is get his agent out of his ear, forget the language, and all this crap. just sign a contract. Get yourself paid and get into camp and be ready. I know there's, what, almost three weeks to go, maybe less. 
to start training camp, he needs to be there on time because you don't want that uh, media circus based on a contract to hinder your starting career here in the NFL and with the charter franchise. Yeah, I totally agree there. And But part, part of me, too, with the contract thing, not to, I don't want to get into it, but like if you're the Bears, you just trade it up to the number two pick to take this <laughs> quarterback to make it. Just give him what he wants. It's a rookie contract. It's not like he's asking for $20 more million than you were going to. It's it's offset language. You're basically, do you, offset do language you, is, is when you give up on the guy. So like you're, you're saying that just it's like a prenup. They're, they're debating right. over the prenup right now, but you just got married. Like just, just sign him. You, you know what I mean? Do you think there's a fear-based, real truth to the absence of Cliff Stein in there? No, because, well, I mean, it's not to me that that part's not as big of a deal. I mean, the I was concerned about that when Pace first came and Stein moved on, but they signed a lot of really good contracts with free agents. You know, a lot of those deals, Mm -hmm. like they got out of Tracy Porter after one year, they can get out of Bobby Massey. Now, if they wanted to, I mean, all these contracts have been very smooth and they've got a lot of cap space. So I'm not super concerned about that as far as being a, a Cliff Stein absence because Joey Lane is the guy that they replaced him with from the Saints. And the Bears have been in solid, solid cap position. So I'm not going to I don't get too worried about the rookie contract things, even though it has taken longer than it did in the past. I don't think that's that big of a deal. Yeah, I just wanted to pick your brain on because I know you have a very good ear to the ground when it comes to the contract negotiations and the front office you know i just wanted to see where you stood on that it was good stuff in regards to getting that offset language terminology clarified offset language is like if you if you cut the draft pick before his contract is up and another team signs him then like that team has to pay some of his contract even though it was already guaranteed so like they're essentially debating on the what if we cut Mitch Trubisky, and that's you just you just took him number two overall. Why are you getting caught up on what if you cut him? If you cut him, <laughs> everyone that drafted him is going to be fired. Like at that point, you're already your job is over. So I don't. I, it's just at this point, just sign him. You know, just just give him the language that he wants. It's a couple million dollars. You know, you got cash base, whatever. But but before we wrap up here, you know, I, I was in agreement with you about Jordan Howard. Mm-hmm. I would put Jordan Howard at number two for most important bears after Mitch Trubisky. I think Howard is the most critical for their success in 2017 if you're trying to win ballgames. Who's number three for you? Is it you know is it a guy like Jarrell Freeman running the middle of the defense? Is it, is it Mike Glennon? Who is Mike Glennon? Or is it maybe Cody Whitehair in the offensive line? Who, who's number three? Who's, who's right after Jordan Howard on most important bears for you? Ah, uh, you... you. Always have a habit of picking my brain and stating what I'm going to say. You ask the question and then you take my answer. I'm going to surprise people here. Uh-oh. I'm, can you give me two minutes? Well, first I want to shout out. Two minutes, Jesus. Yeah, I got to <laughs> say radio, this. We don't have time. Two, I'm going to shout out my daughters, Bella and Sunshine, and my wife just listening to the show, sending me texts, updates on how they're enjoying a Lauren Cox special out there. Did so, they enjoy when I accidentally unplugged my microphone for, for Yeah, they wanted seconds? to know what, what was going on. Why is it silent? <laughs> yeah, I unplugged my microphone from my computer and then was having some issues figuring out what happened. Then I, I want to take this and answer this. I believe, based on the tape, that Cody Whitehair 
is the engine of this offense. I'm telling you, as a son of an offensive line coach and a head coach, um, my father, I can't speak enough about the guy. Just tremendous. The sky's the limit with the amount of coaching clinics and stuff that he did. And when we sat down and talked about the Bears and we're looking at Cody White here on film at center, doing some of the things that he does, I think me and Lauren have to do a film room before the season just on Cody White here, Lauren, because this football player, it's funny how you said it, the third guy, this guy really is the impetus of how that run game gets going. I mean, he scooping uh, a shaded defensive tackle that's completely out of the reach of most offensive linemen, showing the kind of athletic ability to get there and scoop him and reach block and allow Jordan Howard to read him. The two of them together was a masterful draft by Ryan Pace because when you watch enough film and you see a guy playing center and has a head-up nose, for example, like a Poe sitting over him, and he's able to single-handedly up fire out and uproot that football player and get to the second level, he's doing so many things that a veteran center who's got years of practice in the NFL is still not being able to do. That's how good this football player is. I mean, next show, Lauren, we're going to do our top 10 Bears. It's going to be hard for me to put this guy lower than five on this roster because of what I'm saying here. I don't want to be a spoiler, but Cody Whitehair, the more tape and just time and just sitting there with my father watching him, I just got to tell you, this football player has to have Chicago Bear fans ecstatic because you could play him at center or guard or left tackle, wherever you want to put him. He is going to show you the kind of ability that a Pro Bowl football player is bringing to the table. He is clearly your best offensive lineman on the team. Mark that down. Wow. Above yes. Josh Sitton, who Above Josh Sitton. Just Jeff Dickerson, oh. Josh Sitton was out of shape and played poorly all last season. <laughs> he was out of shape. He didn't play poorly. Correct. He needs to he does need to lose ten pounds sitting. Get so ready sitting, for football. Not enough standing, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well done. But you know, Cody White here, yes, I believe he's your best offensive line. Better than Kyle Long. Oh, yeah. How about that? Kyle Long. For the fan base. The third best offensive lineman. Whoops. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I, I struggle to disagree, but the name that kept coming to mind is the, is the Cody Whitehair of the defense. There Eddie you go. He, oh, really? In the middle of the defense. He is what makes that front seven tick, Durrell. I think. I think oh. – I mean, when, when he is in there and playing well, it is a different front seven than when he's not. When, I mean, you could see that, I mean, when, especially when your backup was Will Sutton or a couple other guys kicking in there. I mean, Eddie Goldman makes that, that nose tackle position in the Bears 3-4 defense. Most makes, important. Makes the base defense. And, I mean, they do play more nickel than, than base defense now. And, but Eddie Goldman is a solid nose tackle in the nickel, too. He gets after the quarterback. He is a disruptive player. Like you said earlier, 
probably better than Akeem Hicks when he's healthy and, you know, obviously at the best of his game. He is just a phenomenal young defensive lineman, and I I guess I don't I don't know if I can say with 100% confidence that he is, quote-unquote, more important than Cody Whitehair, but he's he's right up there for me in the in the rankings there as a guy that just makes all the difference in this front seven. I think, I mean, obviously, Darrell Freeman, you know, does a lot of signal distributing among the, the entire defense and is, is a leader out there on the field, but in terms of impact performance on this team that we've seen on the field, the most notable difference to me is when they're with and without Eddie Goldman. I mean, Akeem Hicks does his thing and plays really well, and, you know, Pernell McPhee and Leonard Floyd and Willie Young are getting after the quarterback on the edge, but the front seven still wasn't always that consistent, even with elite inside linebackers and pretty mm-hmm. damn good outside linebackers and one of the best defensive ends in the league in in Akeem Hicks, they still weren't quite consistently stopping the run and getting after the pass rusher. I mean, they did, they got better as guys were able to stay healthier and, you know, they got sacks with their outside linebackers. But as far as operating as the most effective front seven or front six in nickel as possible, they're much better when Eddie Goldman is on the field because he can penetrate a gap, he can occupy blocks, he can just do a little bit of everything. And it's really discouraging the way he hasn't been able to stay on the field, but he is such a difference maker when he's out there. Most important position on the defense, the nose tackle in a 3-4. I'm right there with you. Uh, I thought you were going to go Jarrell Freeman. You shocked me and went Goldman. But I totally, totally agree with you. There is a definite difference when Eddie Goldman was on the football field healthy. His health is the key to this whole defense in front because if he can be healthy for all 16 I'm telling you, Lauren, who is Mike Glennon? Who's Mike Glennon? If Mike Glennon shows up to play, and this will be for a future show, it's going to be interesting what this Bears team does because I believe if they stay healthy, and yes, I agree with what you were saying. He's a Pro Bowl football player, Eddie Goldman. Another great pick by Ryan Pace. The only concern is that health. But if he's healthy, it shows up, and it really is the impetus of the defensive front getting to where they need to go because he takes on those doubles, and he does not move, and he makes the line of scrimmage two yards deep into the backfield. Forget about pass rushing. He is just completely disrupting plays and helping others get to the quarterback. I agree with you. That's why I really like the signing of John Jenkins because I think mm-hmm. you said it best when you saw Sutton get on the football field because of injury with Goldman. He just wasn't – the defense wasn't the same. They couldn't do and react. You had to change kind of the culture of what you wanted to do. And with a Jenkins in there, similar size frame build, hopefully he can give Goldman some reps, break – and get out there on the football field and play. So I agree with you, Goldman, tremendous football player, his health. He could be, honestly, the best football player on the team if he's healthy. He just hasn't been, and that's how important he would be to the Bears. Yeah, he his play this year I think is going to be critical. And but but he's another one of those ifs, you know what I mean? And that's yeah, that's what I was getting at. A lot of ifs. I know we're not predicting. I'm not. None of us are. We're not going to predict a record or anything. But like like I mentioned, there's a lot of moving parts here. It's 
if Mike Glennon plays well, if the offensive line stays healthy, if Kevin White stays healthy, if Eddie Goldman stays healthy, if the outside linebackers stay healthy, if Danny Trevathan comes back, if the cornerbacks play well, if Quinton Demps can keep making turnovers. You know, all these ifs. And if all of those things come together, you got a playoff team in Chicago right now. Definitely, I see the potential there with the talent. But Chicago Bears don't get a lot of those ifs to go their way. It's usually the (laughs) other way the last couple years. So I'm not... I'm not going to be quite ready to bank on those ifs coming together until we start answering some of those question marks that surround, you know, that that are still kind of floating out there. Some of that will happen in training camp. Some of that will happen in the preseason. A lot of it will have to happen in the regular season. And you know what? Bears Hour Live is going to be there right along with you as those questions get answered. We'll do our best to answer most of them as we can. We'll, we'll put it out there and we'll try and keep the fan informed and entertained with the Bears Hour Live podcast. With our YouTube channel, our film room videos, I know we've been plugging the Roy Robertson Harris. It's coming. I promise it's coming. It took a while to get through some UTEP tape, but I feel like I've got the plays picked out, and we just need to pick a night and record it and get it out there. That'll be coming this week for sure, I promise, to all our loyal listeners. If you are one of our loyal listeners, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or whatever podcast listening program you use. We're on Google Play. We're on Stitcher. We're on TuneIn. Obviously, iTunes, we're on Blog Talk Radio. That's who hosts our podcast now. Uh, please uh, spread the word. Listen to the show. Listen to past shows. Check out our YouTube channel. That's how we, uh, that's how we reach the Bears fan and uh, hopefully make everyone get their Bears fixed this offseason. There's not a lot of Bears news between now and training camp. It's the dry part of the season, and we're glad you were able to tune in with us, listen to the show, and get your Bears entertainment for the weekend. So, With that, alongside Draft Dr. Phil, I'm Lauren Cox, and that's going to do it for this episode of Bears Hour Live. Bears Hour Live. Bears Hour Live. 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 Live.